Well, good morning. Welcome. Let's try that again. Good morning. Oh, you're there. Good. Uh, glad that you're here. Uh, my name is David. I serve as one of the pastors here. We're glad that you uh, decided to join us this morning. Today, we're going to be wa- wrapping up our uh, Starting Point series, week eight. But before we get there, uh, I want to talk to you about our vision giving for 2023. Every year, we do a vision uh, giving, kind of year-end giving campaign uh, to raise money for the next year for some big projects, um, some big initiatives that we think that God is calling us toward as a church church, uh, some things that we want to definitely get behind. And so this next year, we are, are for this year, we are looking to raise uh, a total of $500,000. And I wanted to kind of just give you a breakdown of what we're going to be spending that money on. Um, and so first, we want to give uh, some money to Hope for Cora. That's a ministry that is in Ethiopia. Uh, Jake has been here a few times. So he's actually uh, from Montrose. And so he's a, a Bridgewater guy through and through. And he's uh, got a ministry there. And they are looking to expand their daycare ministry specifically. Uh, and they need to, they need some funds for that. I think they ministered to over a hundred families, um, some of the poorest families in the world, um, that they minister to. And so we want to give some money towards that. Um, secondly, uh, some community gatherings. We started our first of those in Hancock, uh, just a couple weeks ago. And last week they had almost 60 people there. Um, and so we're excited for what God has done and what he's going to do there in Hancock. But we think that there might be more communities like that. Um, that we could be a part of, that Bridgewater could have a presence in. And so we want to raise some funds for that. Uh, And then um, third would be multiplying ministry leaders. We've had, uh, I believe the number is 10 interns over the last three years, and many of us, um, I am one of those, are still on staff. I started here as an intern uh, about three and a half years ago, and we think that's uh, something that we really want to invest in uh, as a church is to continue to have that ministry. Um, Some office renovations. If you have been to our central office anytime in the last 50 years, um, you know it's been in need of some work, um, and our staff is continuing to grow, um, and so we want to kind of reconfigure and do some work there, and so um, need to raise some money for that. And then lastly, um, our Tunkana campus is still growing. Um, last year, we were able to purchase a facility for them. Um, they have been running three services. Uh, two of those are at like 120% capacity, um, something like that. I think they're sitting on each other's laps or something. I don't know what's going on over there, um, but they are just, just have so many people, um, and so they really need to get into that new facility. We have purchased it, but we need to renovate it um, in order to be in, in that facility. And so um, that's kind of the breakdown of uh, what that money will go toward. And so we would just ask you to consider uh, to pray what part God might have you play in that um, as, as we continue to make more and to make better disciples of Jesus Christ. And just, again, think through, you know, what part could I play uh, in that. Let me pray, and then we're going to hop into the message for this morning. Father, we want to thank you for your church and how you are using it to make more and better disciples. God, thank you for the part you let us play in that. This is your church. These are your people. God, this is your money anyway, um, and we want to give all this to you and lay this before you. We've, we've made some plans. Um, we think that they're good, um, but God, we know that you're in control. And we know that you are good uh, and you are out to change lives of people. And God, we think that each of these initiatives are something that is going to change a lot of lives. And so we want to get behind that. We want to lay this at your feet, knowing that you are good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Well, if you've been with us for the last two months, you know that we are in a series called Starting Point. What we're trying to do in this series is look at how we can really hit the the restart button on our faith uh, and get a fresh start in our walk with God, uh, in our walk with Jesus. That's been our goal for the last eight weeks of this series, which is a little longer than we typically do um, for a series, but this was uh, so foundational that we thought it was uh, just absolutely worth the time. If you've missed any of these weeks, I would encourage you to get on our podcast and uh, get caught up because we think it is really that helpful. Maybe if there's a couple that you want to just go back to and listen to uh, again, um, we hope this will continue to be a help to you um, as you move forward in your walk with God. And today we're going to try and wrap up all of this series and talk about really where do we go from here? If everything that we've said about God is true, if everything we've said about how God relates to us is true, if everything we've said about grace and mercy, about sin and how we're, we're not just mistakers, that we are sinners, about faith and what it means to have faith in God, if all that we've talked about in this series is true, what is it that we need to do? And so this morning, we're gonna really look at what, what is the place that each of us can have in what God is doing. What is the place that each of us can, what is the role that each of us can play in his church as we move forward from here? That's the question we are going to be looking to answer. And I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're going to start this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one at our Welcome Center for free. I'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16 today. Jesus is uh, with his disciples, and he's going to turn to them and ask them this question. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And so Peter says, you are the Messiah, you are God. And Jesus replies to him and says, you're right, that's correct. And you didn't just get that from any human being, that was actually revealed to you by God. And then Jesus goes on to make this striking claim, verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus says, on this rock, the rock of Peter's confession of Jesus as Messiah, on that rock, I'm going to build my church and nothing will be able to stand against my church. And the word that he uses for church there actually means gathering or assembly. Something a little bit unfortunate has happened in our translations and I think even in our churches that sometimes we use that word church and we're talking about a building. But when, when Jesus used that, that word, what it actually means is it's a gathering, it's an assembly, it's a group of people. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And so that's what the word means. And so when Jesus talked about that, he's not trying to predict a place. He's actually trying to predict a people. He's saying, I am going to build a gathering of people who are totally sold out on my mission. It wasn't about a building. It wasn't about a personality. It wasn't about some church structure. It was about a gathering of people. That is what Jesus is predicting. And he's saying that I'm going to create this gathering and the powers of hell will not be able to stand 
against them. But then, if you keep reading in the story, Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, and he's killed. And I think his, gather, his, his followers would have been wondering to themselves, what about this gathering? What about this group of people that, that's supposed to, the, the gates of hell are not supposed to be able to stand against? What happened to that? I'm sure if you asked any of the disciples after Jesus' death, they would have, would have said, no, that, well, I guess there's no more gathering. I mean, there's no one to follow. Jesus is dead. But then Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to hundreds of people and everything changed when Jesus rose from the dead. We've talked about that multiple times throughout this series about how the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And after that, Jesus spent some time with his disciples. He teaches them some more. And then just before returning to heaven, he gathers them again and he gives them these words. Matthew chapter 28 Turn with me a few pages over. Matthew chapter 28. And he's going he's gonna to share some words with them that are really going to point back to this prediction of a group of people following him. Starting in verse 18, Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So Jesus right now is standing before a group of his followers, maybe a hundred people or so. We don't know exactly and he's saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's really a rather arrogant statement, isn't it? Unless it's true, right? And they're looking at a guy who's just predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. And so they've got good reason to believe that what he's saying is, in fact, true. And so Jesus is making it clear that the limits that he has taken on as a man in his earthly ministry, they no longer apply to him. He has supreme, he has ultimate power in all the universe. What does he decide to do with that? Verse 19. Therefore, because I have all authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So therefore, in light of all the authority that I have, here is your mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so this is really the mission of this gathering of people that Jesus was talking about in the previous chapter. This is the mission of the church. Any church and really any follower of Jesus is to make disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus, your job is to make more followers of Jesus. Jesus said so and he has all authority in heaven and on earth. But not only do we make more, we make better. Verse 20. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus says to teach these new disciples to obey everything. Not just some of the things, but all of the, all of the things. And he says teach to obey, not just teach for information, which is a little bit harder, right? And so this is where we get our mission as a church. Our mission as Bridgewater Church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. It comes directly from these verses. Jesus, who has all authority, he says, that's the mission. That's what we're pursuing. That is what we are going after as a church. It's not that other things don't matter. It's that they don't matter as much as this. This is the mission of Jesus. It's the mission of the church. And after these words to his followers, if you continue in the story in Acts, something pretty insane happens. This group of a hundred or so people 
it turns into thousands of followers of Jesus within weeks or even months of when Jesus said these words. This gathering of people who believed in Jesus and believed in what he said, believed in what he did, it starts to just explode within months, not not years. There are thousands of people who are saying, Jesus is Lord. I saw a risen Savior. This gathering starts to grow and the church was born. And so our first uh, key truth this morning is this. The church began as a growing gathering of men and women who believed Jesus was the Son of God. They were not centered around a building. They were not centered around a place. They were not centered around a personality. They weren't centered around minor details of theology. They were centered around the belief that Jesus was the Son of God. And then as you keep reading in the book of Acts, persecution breaks out in the church. People are being hurt. People are being killed for that belief. Saying that Jesus was the Son of God, that was a bold claim to make. And people are being thrown in jail for making that claim. And there's a man named Saul of Tarsus who is actually one of the leaders of that persecution of Christians. And we're going to take a look at his story because I think it's going to help us figure out our place in this story. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, is where you read Saul's story. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. And so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the rest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, bring them both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And so Saul is this religious leader who's really zealous. And he's really zealous to destroy the church. That was his mission. His mission was to destroy the mission of Jesus. With everything that he had, he was trying to tear it down. But like, let's see what happens next in verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So Jesus interrupts Saul's life in a pretty uh, incredible way. He wants to get a hold of his life. And, and this, this moment in Saul's life is really going to change his life forever. And it's actually going to be a, a pivotal moment in the life of the church the book of Acts is, is filled with a lot of uh, really amazing miracles and circumstances like this. And they're not necessarily that saying that this is what should be normal for our lives. And so uh, if you're looking at this and thinking, man, I haven't had an encounter with Jesus like that. That's okay. <laughs> um, this is not saying that this should be the normative experience for us. But Jesus really wanted to get a hold of Saul's life. Let's keep reading in verse 7. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. 
When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. You can read the rest of the story for yourself, but Ananias obeys and he goes to heal Saul of his blindness. And Saul becomes a follower of Jesus and he becomes he gets baptized. And if you keep reading in Acts, you see that Saul's name is eventually changed to Paul. And Paul becomes arguably the greatest missionary that has ever lived. If you've heard of the Apostle Paul, this is the guy that we're talking about. This is how he started. And Paul spends the next 30 years of his life traveling around, planting churches, writing them letters which are recorded for us in Scripture. Paul becomes a huge part of the early church going out and making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. He moved the mission of Jesus forward like nobody else. It's probably hard to over-exaggerate the influence that Paul had on the world. If we were able to somehow trace back the lineage of who shared the gospel with who that eventually got to each one of us this morning, for many maybe even all of us, it would have somewhere started with the Apostle Paul. That is the kind of influence this man had. Verse 15, it says that Saul or Paul is his chosen instrument to take the gospel to the world. You see, God chose Paul on purpose for a purpose. He specifically uh, orchestrated all the events of Paul's life for a reason so that he would be the kind of man, he would be the kind of leader who could have that kind of influence. And this is where the story gets personal because the same is true for each one of us this morning. You see, God designed you on purpose and for a purpose. Listen, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. The events of your life, the things that you like or dislike, they're not an accident. They're not a mistake. God has a purpose for your life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he has a mission, a purpose for your life that's far greater than any other mission in the world. You get to be a part of taking the good news of Jesus to people in your life. So back to our opening question what part can you play in what God is doing in the world? Well, if you are a follower of Jesus, you get to be a part of a gathering that Jesus said the powers of hell could not stand against. Literally, the, the word that he used there is gates. The gates of hell could not stand against his gathering, his church. And, and what's true about gates is that they're defensive, right? They're not offensive, I guess they could make a decent weapon if you wanted to hit somebody with some gates, but they're, they're made to be on the defense. And so what Jesus is saying is that as the church, we're not, we're not in defensive mode, just waiting to be attacked. He says, no, no, we go on the offensive and we take back territory from the enemy. One person at a time. We save them from the darkness with the good news that Jesus saves. One life at a time, one carnation story at a time, we are on the offensive. 
Nothing can hold us back because we are under the marching orders of the one who has all authority in the universe. Everyone loves to be on a winning team, right? They all love to be part of a winning team or to support a winning team. Nobody wants to be part of a losing team, unless maybe they're Browns fans or something like that, but sorry, too soon. One of, one of our pastors is a Browns fan, so we like to make fun of him just about every single week. But everybody loves to be on a winning team. The good news about following Jesus is that we are promised that we will win. We have the Son of God. He's got all authority in the universe. And what does he say? The powers of hell cannot stand against my church. That is the team we get to be on. That is the gathering that we get to be a part of. We literally cannot lose. And so if you feel like you are not enough or you're not important enough or powerful enough, remember, Jesus says his followers would take down the fortresses of the enemy. That his followers, his gathering, we get to be a part of this mission to change the world. And you were chosen by God to be a part of his army that will literally storm the strongholds of darkness. That's the team that you and I get to be a part of. And so in light of all that we've talked about in this series, here's what I want us to see. We have an opportunity to do for others what others did for us by joining the mission of Jesus. We have an opportunity to give back what was given to us by joining the mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus. Here's what I know is true of every single follower of Jesus in here. Someone shared the gospel with you. Someone prayed for you. Someone invested in your life. For some of you, that was for years. 10, 20, 30 years. Someone loved you enough. They loved the mission of Jesus enough to bring the gospel to you. And now you get to be a part of bringing that good news to other people in your life. We have an opportunity to do the same that was done for the same thing that was done for us for a world that desperately desperately needs the hope of Jesus. I mentioned already this morning our, our Hancock community gathering um, that it just started a couple weeks ago and our friend Pat Simmons um, you might know that name. You pro- if you know that name, you probably love that name because he's such a great guy. He um, was a member here for years before they moved, or I shouldn't say they moved, they went to Hancock, they actually live in Hancock, uh, to start this gathering. And a couple weeks ago, he was, he was here, it was, I think it might have been his last Sunday here, and he was talking to me about how uh, the transition for them going over to Hancock was going to be, honestly, a little bit difficult because they felt like Halstead is home. They felt loved here. They felt ministered to here. They felt like in a time of great need, they showed up at Halstead and people loved on them. And so this felt like home for them. And they said, he was just being honest, like this is just going to be a little bit difficult for us. And what I said to him was, Pat, I'm so glad that Halstead's been a home for you. I'm so glad that you found us here. And I'm so, I'm going to miss you like crazy, man. But don't forget why you're doing this. You're doing this because there are hundreds of people in Hancock, New York, that need the exact same thing that you have experienced here. There are hundreds of people in Hancock that need a home, 
There are hundreds of people in Hancock that need the good news of Jesus, and you get to be a part of bringing that to them. And church, listen to me. The same is true for each one of you in here this morning. You get to be a part of bringing the good news of Jesus to people in your workplace, to people in your neighborhood, to people in your house, to people that you have connections with in the community. You get to be a part of bringing the same good news of Jesus that was brought to you by somebody, somebody that loved you enough. At some point, you were new to faith and you were new to Bridgewater and somebody came alongside you and they helped you. And every single day, we have an opportunity to do the same thing for someone else. We have an opportunity to do for others what has been done for us if we will join in on the mission of Jesus. The mission is not done. There is still work to do, and we are always in need of more people to be on mission. I think one of the things that can happen in a church our size is we look around and we don't see anything like falling apart, and so we think, you know what, maybe there's nothing that I can do here to be helpful. Let me promise you that nothing is farther from the truth. We have needs to fill, we have holds to fill, we have needs to meet, and and we are always in need of more people to be on mission. It really takes every single one of us living on mission, saying, how can I be a part of what God is trying to do here? At some point, you were new to faith, and you were new to Bridgewater, and someone loved you enough to come alongside you, and we have the opportunity to do that for others in our life. Everyone, everyone, has been invited to participate in this gathering of Jesus that Jesus said the powers of hell could not stand against. And the question that we need to wrestle with as we wrap up this series is this. What is the next step in my story? For some of you, you need to decide if you really believe in all of this. If you're here and you're still questioning God, if you're still questioning faith, if you're still questioning the Bible, there's, there's a couple of things at some point that you're going to have to come to terms with. There was a group of people from Jerusalem that said, we have seen a risen Savior, and they were willing to die for that belief. And from that point, that church, that community, that gathering of people has continued to grow and to grow and to grow. And it grew, and it grew just as Jesus said that it would. There's a whole bunch of things, actually, that happened exactly as Jesus said that they would. Far too many to just be a coincidence. And so, you have to come to terms with that fact. And, and on top of that, there's, if you're thinking that you're too far gone, that maybe someone like you couldn't be a part of this gathering of Jesus followers, like, what, pl- what place could I ever play in that? I want you to remember Paul's story. I mean, the dude was literally out to destroy the church, and he became one of the leaders of the church, one of the leaders of moving the mission of Jesus forward. And if if you think you're too far gone, remember Saul who became Paul. If God can save him, God can save anyone. And so maybe for you, it's time to make Jesus your forgiver and your leader. Maybe you've been sitting here for weeks or for months or maybe for years, and today is the day that God is calling you home.
Today is the day that you need to make that decision, and I beg you not to ignore the calling of God. Please have a conversation with myself, maybe with a friend or someone wearing a blue name tag. Maybe for you, your next step is baptism. You want to go public with your faith and say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want the world to know that. We've got an opportunity coming up for that uh, next month. Maybe for you, it's taking our discovery class and, and getting more involved in our church, or maybe just figuring out what your next step is. That, that class is literally designed to help you know what your next step is and take it. And again, that's, we're going to have that available next week during the first service. Maybe for you, it's getting into a small group, getting connected with people who are going to actually help you in your walk with Jesus, who are going to hold you accountable, who are going to uh, pray for you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to challenge you. We'd love to help you get connected into one of those. Maybe it's serving, being a part of what God is doing here. Maybe it's serving in the community. Maybe it's serving in your own home, not just being a recipient of things, but turning around and saying, how can I be a help? How can I serve? I don't know what the next step is for you, but I, I want us to be a church of people who walk in step with Jesus, totally sold out to his mission, not ours. Not, not what we think is important, but what Jesus has said the mission of the church, church is and must be to make more and to make better disciples of Jesus. That is what I pray for our church. Father, we are thankful that you were willing to give up your son. He was willing to give up his body and his blood, his very life also that we could be forgiven. God, we didn't earn that. We didn't deserve that. And yet, you loved us enough in order to do that. Father, we thank you for the words of Jesus that he told us that his church, his gathering, that nothing would be able to stand against his church. Even the gates of the fortress of the enemy could not stand against the power of the church because we are under the marching orders of the one who has all authority in the universe. Father, thank you so much for your church. What you are doing, what you have done through your church. God, I ask that each one of us in here today would actually join in on that mission. That we'd fall in line with the mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. God, what better uh, purpose, what better cause to give our very lives toward than rescuing people from the darkness? Father, thank you that someone loved me enough to share the good news with me. And thank you for letting me be a part of bringing that to others. I pray that we would be a church. We would be a gathering of people that looks out, that sees that there are people who need a home. There are people who need hope. There are people who need the good news of Jesus and that we would be the ones to take it to them. Not say somebody should go share the good news with them, but say, I will go share how Jesus has changed my life and he can change yours too. Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.